Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, folks. 2020 has, to put it mildly, presented some challenges for all of us. You know, the good news, our patrons' numbers are still growing, almost daily. I truly, truly cannot thank all of you enough for your support. It's been overwhelming. And for those of you who've had to reassess your budgets, please know, I totally get it. And I will always be grateful for your belief in this program and the power of great content. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tack box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Our patrons make all of this possible. The funds are specifically designated only for overhead. They literally keep the MP3s rolling. Meanwhile, the patrons-only After Dark Facebook Live and Zoom meetings each month truly have been a fabulous success. Conversation, support, laughter, some education, some mentorship, lots of encouragement, and even, randomly, the occasional adult beverage. So click the link at www.puredogtalk.com and become a patron today. Your small contribution helps make a huge voice for purebred dogs. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves. And this today is the first part of a two-part episode. Thank you all for joining us. Pure Dog Talk. Friday Night Forum, thank you for coming. Thank you very much to our panelists this evening, our AKC Executive Field Representative. Yeah, get it right. Executive. Brian Martin. Executive, that's the executive yeah. part that's very cool. And <laughs> our AKC Judge, Brian Meyer, and our AKC Judge, Sylvie McGee. And I'm your moderator, Laura Reeves. You guys feel free to ask questions. Brian is going to speak a little bit on the new judging process that's just started. AKC has just changed its process. Am I allowed to say again? Oh, okay. <laughs> and so for people who are looking at judging eventually, this is another process that they've selected. Brian Meyer has been judging for a good length of time, has that experience. Sylvie is just getting started, has that experience. So if you guys have questions, shout out, and I'll bring you a microphone, and we're live streaming and audio recording. So welcome and thank you. Here you go, Brian. Okay. The American Kennel Club, as many of you know, they've had, I don't know how many different ones since you started judging <laughs> systems. Many. Many different <laughs> systems and they just haven't clicked. And then they revamped the entire pro. There was a period of time where the application included you had to write an essay, basically, about the breed and your experiences with the breed. And then that was sent to a committee 
The committee was made up of one field rep, one office person, Tim Thomas, and three other chosen people by the board of directors that rotated every month. So the same committee did not hear all the applications every time. And that got very tiring, and the conference calls that we had would take two or three hours to review these applications. It got long and drawn out, and people didn't feel they were being fairly worked on. So then they came up in 2015 with a, it's an educational-based program that you earned points for seminars that you attended, mentor sessions, ringside observations. If you were judging sporting breeds, you'd go to a field trial, you'd get points for attending that. It was a good system. And then it ran off the rails because judges took advantage of it. And they referred to it as a sport that was being looted at the time. In two and a half years, over 700 judges submitted additional breed applications in two and a half years. 1,828 applications for additional breeds in that time period. 11,051 breeds were approved. In under two that and a half system. years? In two and a half years. Mm -hmm. One judge had as many as nine applications at one time on permit for over 75 breeds. Some of you may know who that person is. There's a couple of them that fall into that category. Hmm? You're live right now. <laughs> <laughs> wants to make sure we know we're live. And approximately 80 judges received 31 or more breeds in that two and a half year period. And it just was going off the rails. And so in August of last year, 17, the chairman of the board established a committee to address the growing concerns of the AKC and the FANCY with the process with which judges are approved and reviewed. And they stopped applications. They limited the all breed applications to only 10 breeds at a time. And you could still apply while you were on permit, but that was still a problem. They needed to tighten the whole program up. So they've done some, they refer to it as evolutionary, not revolutionary. A fix of the current versus creating a completely new process. They didn't want to revamp the whole thing again and upset applicants. So they've just fine-tuned the 2015 program. And it maintained the framework, but it just brought everything down. So some of the things that they did now is that you can only put in one application every six months. And you can't get a full group in less than a year and a half or in less than three applications. So that tightened everything up because there were judges that were getting full groups, 20, 30 breeds and a full group. And, and I'll tell you, doing an interview for that 
That's an all-day affair. <laughs> the new interview process is very basic. When you have your interview with me, we only spend about 10 minutes per breed discussing it, but we talk about the salient points of the breed, disqualifications, give me a description, give me some background, do it all in 10 minutes, and if you can't do that, then you don't pass the interview. But for you to get to me, you still have had to have done what they call the matrix, where you have to get so many points determined by the seniority of your judging. There were no changes to the first-time applicants. The same prerequisites were there, the same minimum criteria to apply. They just limited the maximum number of breeds that one could apply and maintain the fact that you had to finish all of your permit breeds before you could put in a second application. Once you complete all your requirements of, at the time, the first system, you just needed three assignments. They didn't care whether you had any entries or not. And after three assignments, boom, you're good. Thank you, congratulations, you're now, you can judge whatever. And that worked for the low entry breeds, but you still didn't learn anything as a judge. And doing three entries three times doesn't really test your application. So now they've changed, updated or changed it around now. So on every group of permit breeds that you have, so say you apply for 10 breeds and you're given permit status for 10 breeds, you have to judge each breed at least three times. And of that group of 10 breeds, you need evaluations they call them a JBC, a judge's breed commentary, which is where you write a critique of your entry, I as the field rep stands outside the ring and does a critique of the entry, and then we go sit down somewhere later in the day and we discuss it. We don't argue about it, nobody fights, nobody tells you you're stupid or anything. What we now can do is recommend that you might need to go back to your mentors or go back to your educators and go back for more schooling. We have that power, there's a little box on the form. But it works out very well, but you need three observations from three different field reps of your 10 breeds, however long. If you have a low entry breed and you don't have you can get approved for your low entry breed, but if you don't judge any of them, but you at least have to have six assignments of the low entry breeds. Whether you judge one or you judge a national, you still have to judge it at least three times with an entry. And if it's part of your package, then you get an observation. So that is working really good, I think. What's scaring older judges, like Brian here, his next application, he goes back. He just back. called you old, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, you've got four groups, right? Yes. He's got four groups. Now, on his next application, he has to write to the office and ask if he can apply for breeds. He just can't put in his application. He has to ask 
the judging department, and the judging department may say yay or hold off a year or we want you to calm down. Most of the judges, if they've got four groups and they've had those four groups for two or three years total for all those groups, those will advance to a fifth group, but they're not going to give you the whole group. You still fall back to the three applications minimum to fulfill the group. And he now has to be observed, which he hasn't been observed since whenever. David Crusher was just so, <laughs> 2001. 2001. He hasn't had a, an observation report or hasn't had anything. They've just, boom, go on, you're good, keep going. Well, now they've slowed it down, and now any <coughs> subsequent applications and additional applications like Sylvie, she doesn't have a full group yet. She'll continue with the JBCs, which she was on the, that system last year. Brian wasn't. Now that the new system's kicked in, he's going to have to be observed. And he's going to have to sit down and talk to one of us about his entries, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, really, when you think about it. Did you ask him? <laughs> Number one, when they took the last system, they took the AKC reps out of the whole equation and they didn't watch anybody other than the new people. We just watched first time applicants. <laughs> you just gave me the mic and now you're talking. <laughs> the last system that started in 2015, the only people we looked at were people that had less than a full group. Once you got a full group status, bye-bye, you're on your own. And you couldn't even request an observation. The office wouldn't let us even look at you. We could do off-the-record discussion, but nothing official. And that frustrated a lot of judges. It's been amazing. Judges want to know they're doing a good job. A lot of them do. That's basically, in a nutshell, some of the highlights of the thing. You have to, as a new applicant judge, you have to take the Judges Basic Institute. They offer five of them throughout the country each year. If you want to do junior showmanship, you have to take a junior showmanship judging seminar. I've done those. We do those separate from the Basic Institute. All of us field reps are required to do at least one of those a year away from the institutes. So there are plenty of opportunities to do juniors and the numbers of, they call them CEUs, the credit educational units or something, I think. <laughs> call them CEUs. What? Continuing education. Continuing education. I should know that. There you go. Thank you, Sydney. <laughs> for you. So that's okay. in a nutshell. Okay. Very good. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Embark is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. DNA testing is rapidly growing amongst breeders. And given the importance of these test results to the health of not only each dog, but also that of future generations of dogs. At Embark, they believe it's critical to provide transparency in their testing methods that result in more than 99.99% accuracy for health tests. Embark's innovative testing platform enables the hundreds of genetic health and traits test results provided in Embark's products while also creating research-ready data 
for use by canine health organizations and scientists. Embark's methods exceed industry quality control standards by also checking the breed, sex, and relatives of every sample to ensure DNA samples are correctly labeled and unique identity is recorded. In addition to quality control, this helps fraud prevention by ensuring the same dog can't be tested multiple times without Embark knowing. At Embark, they're proud of their world-class canine DNA testing service, and they're committed to continually raising the bar. They're on a mission to provide breeders and all dog owners with the high level of accuracy they need to optimize their breeding programs, manage the lifetime care of their dogs, and improve the health of future generations of dogs. Haven't used Embark yet? Get your first Embark for Breeders dog DNA test for $99 right now. You use the code TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. That's TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. Now, let's get a chance to talk to Brian and Sylvie and talk about why you started judging, why you put yourself through this 16 different processes. Why? Why? I mean, seriously, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of money. Why do you do it? Well, we didn't make the changes. Casey <laughs> made the changes. But it's the only game in town. So if you're going to play, you play by their rules. No one's forcing you to have a judge's license. Simple as that. I've been involved in dogs my whole life. I grew up with boxers because they had boxers before I was born. Showed dog professionally. I apprenticed under a handler. It's just the natural progression. I got too old for some of the. I mean, there's older people than I am that are still showing dogs. But I don't miss loading and unloading, <laughs> hauling exercise pens and setting up tables and dealing with clients. I love the dogs. <laughs> the clients can be a real pain sometimes, depending on your client. Hire good clients, man, I'm saying. And now that they have cell phones, you know, I imagine you can't hardly get out of the ring before someone's calling and saying, what did I do? Why didn't Poopsie win? That's a fact. <laughs> now at least they'll be able to say, well, he's probably going to have a discussion with the AKC rep. <laughs> So what brings you joy when you're judging? What do you love about judging? Finding maybe the dog that nobody else has found. Maybe it's a puppy dog. Maybe it's a puppy bitch. I don't care. I don't even care what class it came out of. It could be a novice person that doesn't really have any idea what they're doing. You're not judging their ability. You're judging what the dog is supposed to look like according to the standard. And I like being around the dogs. I've known Lots of people my whole life. So I was never a professional handler. I'm an exhibitor and I'm a breeder. And back when I had been showing about a minute and a half, I was asked to bring our very first show bitch to judge's education as a sample dog. And Bill Russell said, well, if you want, you can stay for some of the other workshops that day. And he wasn't in charge of me, right? So I stayed. And I thought, oh my God, people are actually talking about dogs here. Because outside of specialties, nobody was talking about dogs at dog shows. Not very much. 
they were talking about winning, they were talking about placements, they were talking about what the judges were doing right or wrong, but they weren't really talking about dogs. And at Judge's Ed, people were talking about dogs, and I thought, this is my thing, because I like talking about dogs, and I like learning about dogs. So I started going to Judge's Ed way before I was ever going to be a judge, just to talk about dogs. And then I kept going. And that sort of got me to the point where I thought, maybe I should apply. And I also had mentors who were saying, you should apply. You should apply sooner rather than later because it takes a long time to get through your first group, and God forbid you want a second group, it takes a really long time to get through that. So I won, and I really love it. I judge today. I had a great time. I love the dogs. I love everything about judging, really. I love it when novice people come into the ring, because if I can give them some encouragement, or maybe say, you know, let's move that dog one more time, they could loosen up that lead a little bit, that's a gift to them, and it helps me to see the dog better, and it's a lot of fun. So that's why I do it. Okay, so what are your, I'm not gonna say your pet peeves, because God forbid, but <laughs> Brian, no rolling your eyes, remember we're supposed to be good. <laughs> what makes a challenge for you? What makes you frustrated as a judge? Brian, particularly, you've been doing this for a number of years. What makes you frustrated? Well, it could be a lot of things. I mean, maybe some of you are expert groomers in a particular breed. And there's a lot of people that are beginning. Maybe they've been in it 10 years and they aren't real good groomers or what have you. But everyone should be able to present their dog clean without mats. If you have a short-coated dog. There's people with toys, they say, we don't have to cut our dog's toenails. They come in, they're like hawks, some of them. <laughs> And some of the big dog people are too. But on the same token, one of the things that is kind of an irritating, I, I know maybe irritating is the wrong thing to use. You use the same pattern all day long, and your last breed of the day, your last class of the day, the person looks at you and goes, did you want me to make a triangle when you've been going down and back all day? I mean. You have to watch what a person is doing before you walk into the ring to prepare yourself. So that's probably one of my pet peeves. <laughs> Sylvie, dirty dogs. I think if you talk to any judge, dirty dogs is sort of high dirty dogs. Oh. No. Getting, so imagine that you're the judge and you're in the middle of the ring and all these people are watching you, right? And you're thinking to yourself, do I dare, now that I've gone over this dog, who is filthy, go over and visibly use a handy wipe or use hand sanitizer before I touch this next exhibit because I don't want to transfer whatever I just picked up on my hands. What a lousy position to put us in. Please, bathe your dogs. Okay, pure dog talk <laughs> listeners, if you are coming with dirty dogs, you are definitely <laughs> getting a demerit. I'm just saying, that is absolutely not okay. Okay, so. Questions from the audience. Let's start a conversation here. And I think it's important for people to understand is one of the reasons we started doing this basic thing is that judges are people. They started in dogs. They have a passion for dogs. They are not hatched from an egg. And I think it's important. AKC has enforced a good thing in making sure there's no conflict of interest. But I think in a certain way, it has taken something away. And we've lost the bench shows. and We've lost the opportunity for people to actually talk to one another 
that just happens to be a judge with a lot of knowledge. And so that's what this is for. And the same as with breeders with knowledge. You have to be able to talk to the people within your own breed. Okay. Because you don't necessarily know more than the person next to you that's in the same breed. Depending on who it is, maybe not as much. You can go to a seminar presented by five different people in the same breed and come away learning something different from each of those seminars. Absolutely. You, as exhibitors, are not necessarily the most compassionate people with new people. Yep. I'm going to put some of that on you people because you're the ones that should be helping these new people that are coming in because maybe they'll want to get a good dog from you or you. Be nice. <laughs> Brian, the other Brian. <laughs> I just want to add that part of the revisions of the judging process, applications and such, the, the board did a survey a couple years ago. Some of you may have gotten it. They got, I think, 2,000 responses to it or something. And one of the major concerns about exhibitors railing against judges was that judges were not doing a concise examination. They were not doing an examination for the salient points. Salient points meaning what makes a breed a breed. What makes a basset hound a basset hound? It has to have crooked front legs. Has to. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And if you can't figure that out, that's where they stepped up our observation. So what we do in preparation for an observation of a judge is we study the standard, or we've gone to review videos, or we've gone to seminars ourselves, and we judge along. And if we find that you're not doing the proper examination on an old English sheepdog's head, the exhibitors go crazy. Same thing with Portuguese water dogs. If you don't hit that headpiece just right and feel that coat texture right, the exhibitors get crazy because they don't think they're being judged fairly. And I've been subject to it as a handler, and I'm sure Brian was too, that Certain breeds, we were able to just walk in the ring and boom, the judge looked at us and said, go to the head of the line, because I know you always have quality dog. We didn't always have the quality <laughs> dog. We didn't have the best open dog in the class. And that would frustrate the other exhibitors, the newbies or even the seasoned breeders. And they'd get mad because the judge wasn't judging. He was just pointing and he was just handing out ribbons. So the Kennel Club determined that we step up these observations of these judges, bring it to their attention, judging Tibetan Terriers. I never saw you separate the coat, lift it, and drop it. I never saw you did that. Well, that's real important in that breed because it's a double-coated breed and it has to drop just right. It can't be single-coated. But if you don't at least make an attempt to look at it as a judge, you're not going to get entries. The people aren't going to come back to you because they say, well, what the hell does he know? He's not judging dogs. He's just handing out ribbons. So we try to help our judges along in that respect and help them understand what's going on with his entries. Okay.
All right, crew, thank you all for joining us. This has been part one of our episode. Watch this space. Part two will be coming up soon. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 